0: Welcome to West Virginia Uncommonplace. Today I have with me a special guest, Melanie Yates. Melanie, would you please tell the audience of West Virginia Uncommonplace a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Well, it's great to be here and I absolutely love to dance. I've always been a dancer. I started dancing when I was younger and I just wrote a book and that has always been a goal of mine. It's always been out there and i finally did it and it took the pandemic to completely shut everything down to get me quiet and locked in a room and it just came out of me so i do love to write i love to talk more okay so- <laughs> mm-hmm. I do live in California. Um, I'm looking at the beach right now. (laughs) And I absolutely enjoy being outdoors and outside and my feet in the sand. And it hasn't always been like that. I used to, uh, well, I hated getting my feet dirty at the beach. Okay. And it's been an acquired skill to learn how to take my shoes off at the beach and just... Even if it gets dirty, it's okay. And just enjoy um, feeling the sand between my toes. And I actually like it now and it's, it's taken a while. <laughs> all right.
0: Now audience, let me tell you this. Um, you all know that we do, I do this through Zoom or some type of video chat. Um, so we can see each other and she is exuding this happiness that you can just see like a bright overall. So let me ask you this, where do you draw your happiness from?
1: Okay. I draw my happiness from inside and God. I couldn't be where I'm at today without a spiritual solution. And so that's my secret. That's my answer to everything is believing in a power greater than ourselves and making your own connection with that. And I feel like God is within us. And I think when people say things like, "I." my smile shines or I sparkle or something like that. I feel like that's God just shining through me.
0: Okay. Now let's get into this. So you told us a little bit about your happiness, but what in your life challenged you to to make this movement, to, to write a book, to start a following behind yourself, behind all this? What happened in your life? What challenge happened? Because we always, uh, people always, say, Oh, I just spur the moment, but sometimes some people have a challenge that, you know, brings them to do more than what they normally would have done. So there wasn't any pandemic. So what challenge brought you into doing this book and what made you, uh, take up all this so fast?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's because the story has been developing throughout my whole life. So, I got to a place in my life where I was pretty down. I was using alcohol to self-medicate myself and I was using food to comfort myself and I was using work to distract myself. So I just looked busy and I used alcohol to kind of push down my feelings so that I could just act like I was happy. But I can assure you, it didn't look like this, you know? Um, I think it got, I got to a dark place where I couldn't take responsibility for my behavior or my actions and I didn't respect anybody. I I literally blamed other people for my unhappiness. And so I just, I got to this place where I was really down and uh, I didn't realize alcohol is a depressant. Yes. <laughs> so that doesn't really help any, for any of you that don't know that I thought it was my medicine. I thought it was the only way I could keep going because it numbed me. And that's what I was really looking for. Cause I, I got myself to a place where I wanted to be numb because I couldn't handle my feelings and I couldn't handle problems. And the only solution for me was to numb it and to blame other people for why I wasn't happy. Okay, so
0: in a way, um, what's, what's a good terminology? You didn't want to be fragile.
1: Oh, absolutely not. I, I've always kind of put this like tough girl. I can do it by myself, self-supporting, self-reliant. And I didn't really want anyone to help me. I liked... Um, well, I laugh now because I, I wanted the glory all for myself. You know, I, I wanted to do it by myself. So I everyone thought I was great. And I did it all by myself and I didn't need anyone. And so I used to take pride in that. And now I kind of shudder to think that I wanted to do it alone. And I've had so much joy from being vulnerable and asking for help and learning how to ask for help. I think a lot of women... I'm sure men, too, have a hard time asking for help.
0: Right, because, you know, like, when you ask for help, you kind of feel like there's no, nothing gratifying asking for help. And that, that's one thing, like, that's one stigma that, you know, um, in our age demographic, like, it's crazy because we were built a certain way. You know, even if your family taught you that you could come to them, the people around you, the personas that you get around later on in life, they build you to either be Chevy uh, high or Ford tough. And, you know, we, we go on in life with these feelings. And like you said, uh, you got to a point. Um, so what happened to make you stop using alcohol?
1: Well, it, it basically came down to I was hurting so bad that I wanted a divorce. I was blaming my husband for that. And I felt like the only way I could do that is if I got sober, because what would happen is I would kind of start having a plan, but then I would drink and then I w- I just wouldn't really care anymore. I wouldn't follow through. And so it got to be so bad that I had to give it up because I needed something new. I needed a new beginning and I knew that alcohol wasn't helping me go anywhere. And so I started talking to a coach and that's why I actually got into coaching because she changed my life and I had been in therapy. Oh my gosh, I had done so much individual therapy and we ended up doing marriage counseling and therapy for years. And i never got the results or the benefits that I was looking for until I got a coach, a life coach. And she helped me uncover the answers that I needed that were already inside of me. She didn't try to tell me what to do. She didn't try to find the answers for me. We found them she asked me questions and uncovered my own answers inside. And therapy was just a way for me to talk and talk and talk about the problem. And I needed a solution. And it really came down to drinking was no longer a solution. It was becoming a problem.
0: Okay. Our, so you get this life coach, you start working on things and you're seeing things that you don't like about yourself or a better way to say it is you see things that aren't right for you and you start working on these things. So you're working on these things. Um, where did you hit your first setback? Because we always talk about, everybody wants to always talk about the good things that happen. Once I get on this good road, But we all know when you go out for a jog, sometimes that knee or that ankle gets a little messed up, but we don't tell anybody about that part. So, um, you know, I, I like to dig a little deeper. So what was your first setback when you got on this path with your life coach?
1: Well, I feel like what started happening is I started to change. I started to take responsibility that I had a part in this relationship. And I got to a place where I didn't want to divorce anymore. I actually wanted to make it work especially because I saw my part. I saw where I was making a mistake. I saw where I was contributing to someone else feeling insignificant. And I saw where I was being inconsiderate. And so this helped start producing new behaviors. And I wanted to stay married. And I feel like what happened was as I started making progress, um, I used to always believe you can't change anybody, you can only change yourself. And what I realized in this situation, as I started to change, he had to. He changed because I changed. And we really did start to grow and have a better relationship. In fact, our last year of marriage, we had we had more love, and more communication and more laughter than we had in the 16 years before that and i'll i'll say where it really where it got tripped up is i finally gave him permission to be who he was and i gave myself permission to be who i wanted to be and it just turns out that we we weren't compatible and we weren't able to make it work and i know that both of us gave it everything, absolutely everything. But I would say the setback was divorce was hard. It was, um, you know, it's a death of a dream, right? No Mm. one ever thinks they're going to get divorced and no one ever grows up and says, yeah, I can't wait to get married and get divorced. Right? And we, as, especially as little girls, we read those fairy tales and it's about happily ever after. And so, that was death of happily ever after that divorce was a death for me. And it was, it was a death of a dream and it hurt. And I feel like that's where I really had to dig even deeper and really find a solution that was gonna be able to help me through anything, you know, because life always has ups and downs. There is gonna be ups and downs no matter what. And that was painful. And I've kind of felt like I'll never find somebody else. I also felt a little angry at men. And as hard as I tried, uh, the circumstances. Um, and I'll tell you, if there was a jury, they would be on my side. They would be siding with me about okay. what happened. Right. And, and now I can just laugh at it because it doesn't matter about who's right, who's wrong, who had to, you know, who had to give more or pay more or do more. It doesn't even matter because life is about experiences And I believe that those experiences change us, grow us, learn us into the full potential that we were created to be. And so even that pain really opened me to digging deeper and asking for even more help.
0: Okay. Now I'll tell you something that I got from um, just a bit. And it was, you were talking about the communication. Um, you got a skill that a lot of us don't get. And I just got this skill um, probably, let's see, maybe six years ago, transparency within the communication. You got transparency. So it gave you, a, that gives you clarity. And everything you said, it seems like you got. Uh, and I'm not saying that you were immature or anything, but you got a certain maturity with that transparency that you, you can you can hear. So, all right, so you go do things with your life coach. Um, things are, are are turning around, they're getting good after you have the minor setback. Um, you're living your life. So, what sparks you to become a life coach? I understand that you had your coach, but like what sparks you afterwards? Cause we all, you know, it's almost like when you buy a vacuum cleaner, you buy the Eureka vacuum cleaner and no, they're not sponsoring me uh, and you use it, but then you go and get the Dyson. And the Dyson changes your life because the Dyson has a ball and it can swivel and do all the stuff. It shows you a new perspective on the old way that you were thinking. That's what I, I've always assumed that, that when you do get a life coach, because I've had one, they do give you a new perspective, a new way to make that turn, a new way to to look at things. Instead of looking uh, in a square or a triangle, uh, they tell you to look at it Um, So what, what drove you to become a life coach? What, what happened like really deep to do that. Cause 'cause the thing is, is people get life coaches, they get help. And a lot of times they don't want to give back, you know, they they move on and go live their life.
1: Well, this was a dramatic change for me. I got results. (laughs) I mean, I had gone to all those years of therapy and didn't feel like I got the results. She gave me these tools And I got results. I got results in ways that, I mean, I felt so good about myself. I, I started making more money. I started having a better relationship with all my friends. Um, I started having a better relationship with my parents. I started having a better relationship with my child and parenting and, you know, if you get married, you're pretty much stuck with that person, especially if you've had children with them and you'll always have to communicate and talk with them. Yes. And I was getting results with talking and co-parenting our son in a way that no one else had been able to touch. And I've always been a seeker. I've always been someone who loves mm-hmm. to read self-help books and parenting books and how to help me and stuff like that. But this was so different. It made, I mean, it changed me inside and I had these tools that I thought, you know, people need to know how to do life on life's terms. And I was so inspired i thought she was such a guru i thought no one you know i thought she was gifted in a way that like no one it couldn't be duplicated kind of thing and as i started learning more she said this isn't this isn't um she was really saying it's not that big of a deal that it's a skill anyone can do it and what i loved that she taught me it was simple duplicatable tools that even a child can learn and it helped them because it's all about emotions. Like for me, you know, emotions affect the way I behave. And so she would help change the way I would think to change the way I felt to change my behavior, which ultimately I got different results from. So it really came back down to figuring out and targeting what exactly am I feeling and then figuring out the thought that came before that feeling and treating that and so it's so powerful it feels like you know life is full of emotions and all emotions are signals for me it doesn't matter if it's a positive emotion or a negative emotion all emotions are signals that something is going on. Like there's a thought in there that needs programming, you know, and we have these neural pathways. It's either, you know, we can, we can follow that thought down this highway or it may need to take the back road. Okay.
0: So what I take from this is, is that you started evolving, but you, but listen to this, you were evolving with revolving doors around you. <laughs> So, so you gotta, you got a better grasp on how to handle it yourself. So let's move along over here to the pandemic. You got some free time. We all have free to, had free time during the pandemic. Uh, and I, and one thing I will say about this, we all will have a, a cash cow somewhere in the future because we'll be able to tell this story later on. I'll tell how I went from just doing my normal job, which we talked about earlier, to going back into podcasting. So you wrote a book. I did. Please tell the audience about the book.
1: I wanted to share with people how to tap into a higher power, a spiritual solution for their life and to love and enjoy their life no matter what. So I have this little saying, it's like, do you want to be a part of the no matter what club? Mm -hmm. Because no matter what, we always have a choice. To be happy, joyous, and free, or miserable, depressed, and in bed. And some of us have things that hinder us more than others. It could be circumstantial, it could be mental health. We all get to learn. No one leaves this world without pain and suffering. That's just the way it goes. And I think for so long, I was addicted to being happy all the time. I only wanted to be happy. And I think that that kind of led into my drinking because it was like, I wanted it to be happily ever after. I always wanted to be happy and addicted to things going my way. Right. But the yes. reality is that's delusional. Life is not like that. Right. And Life
0: has it, up and downs.
1: We have to learn how to do something else.
0: <laughs> now, let me ask you this. So, so, um, what, like, what day did you just decide that you were gonna write a book? Cause people, you know, some people plan it and I've talked to tons of authors and no one has a tried and true method into how they do it. But how did you do
1: it? <laughs> that is great. This is hilarious because I found this incredible guy and started dating him. And somehow during that courtship, I said I had a dream to write a book. Fast forward, I married him. And as soon as we got married, he started asking about when I was going to write a book. And I was kind of thinking, dude, I just said that when we were dating. And I was thinking, you know, maybe in my lifetime, I'll write a book, you know, like down the road kind of thing. Right. (laughs) And what happened was the pandemic came and I ended up getting quarantined. Okay. And I did not have COVID, but I was exposed to COVID. And so they sent me home and said, don't come back for 14 days. And in California, we were pretty strict on all of those regulations. And so I came home and I'm pre- definitely a type A personality. So I was like, what in the world am I going to do? You know, mm-hmm. and I just started writing. It was it just came out of me. And and that's why I say really the book had been happening the whole time. It was in there. It was happening the whole time. And I really believe it was my husband believing in me and kind of nudging me to do it that just helped me sit down and start doing it.
0: All right. Now, let me ask you this, because I always ask authors the same set of questions, because everything I do is kind of tried and true um, when it comes to this questioning. Um, When did you hit your first writer's block? And the reason that I ask this is because, like I said, we all know that uh, podcasts or any type of audio or video, it's an instruction manual for someone else that may not want to ask that question, but wants an answer to that question. So where did you hit your first writer's block? Because doing this type of writing that you're doing, it, 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 it's an emotional toll, correct?
1: Sure. I believe what helped me is reading it to somebody else. And I would get lots of ideas because I love to talk. Boy, I mean, you would have me talking all day long. We could just sit here and chit chat and go from all kinds of, you know, solve the problems of the world. <laughs> and I my brain works good off of other people. And so kind of talking about what I wanted to write about and I would have, I would record it or I would have my notebook with me. And as I go back and forth from my girlfriend or my husband, they they would kind of get my creative juices flowing. And all you gotta do is ask me the right question. And I just, get a plethora of thoughts and emotions and feelings and stories. So that's what helps me. I really, I, my next book, I'm going to have somebody scribe for me because I'm better at talking than writing.
0: <laughs> so, so when you write this book, um, uh, obviously your husband and, and your child were great inspiration in helping you because you're going through all this stuff and, While writing this, was this a bit of self-care also while writing?
1: Absolutely. One of the big things you do as a coach and what I teach my clients, that's usually the first thing we talk about. What are you doing to care for yourself? Because we have to know and teach our brain that we love ourselves. We can't just know it logically. We have to feel it and believe it by the actions we do. So by doing specific actions of self-care, that teaches our brain, I love myself, I'm investing time to do. And for me, this really was a dream of mine. And so to sit down and invest and believe in myself that I could do this was a huge part of self-care and self-love and self-talk because, you know, it's my first book and I didn't think that it was possible. And the other part of it is, you know, you start doubting yourself. Well, no one will even buy it. You know, it's like, I'm going to write this book, you know, and it's real easy to get some thoughts going that are filled with doubt and fear. So for me, I was just blessed.
0: Okay. Now, um, someone wants to get in touch with you, they can head over to this website. And this website is www.happyjoyousandfree.org. When you get on this page, it's illuminated. with You get two smalls at one time. And there's a one small here, and then there's one small at the beach. Um, please tell the audience what they can be in store for when they get over to this website.
1: Well, the website is for free material, but it's also for booking consulting um, for coaching sessions. So that is, that's what I'm really good at. I'm good at one-on-one, you bring your problems, we find the solution. And what I'm looking for is getting to kind of pull those answers that are inside of you that maybe, you know, one of my mentors always told me, sometimes we lack perspective when it's just me myself and i and so when you invite somebody else in you're able to i can see things that other people might not be able to see when you're in the thick of it and i've always had somebody um i believe in a life of consultation because when you're in the thick of it you don't really see what you need to see and it's it's sometimes you know it's like when you're looking for your keys it's like I don't know where they are. And then someone's like, Oh, they're just right there. And it's like, I know I looked there. You know, sometimes we just don't see, and it could be right there in front of us. And, and that's what I, I was talking about asking for help because I never asked for help. I always wanted to look for the keys and find the keys by myself. And I, I would do it and it would hurt me because then I couldn't find the keys and I needed to be somewhere. And I was just so prideful. I couldn't ask someone to help. And that's just been so remarkable. And that's why I got into coaching because my life changed and I love changing people's lives. I love connecting. It is the most satisfying thing for me to watch the lights turn on and like, like happen for me. And They start getting results they've never had. They start getting results they couldn't even imagine. And it is rewarding. And I just love people. I love connecting with people. And it makes, I actually get something from it when they find something and they find an answer. It's usually it applies to everybody. You know, honestly, I, I haven't found any new problems out there. And so, you know, a lot of times when someone else is working on something, I'm like, you know, that applies to me, too. So it's kind of like I get a double win because they're learning, but me, too.
0: OK, so two processes is once teaching and learning. OK, now we get to a part in this show. Um, I like to pay homage to a uh, news magazine, 2020. Um, everybody knows that Diane Sawyer comes with the hard-hitting questions that set up the next interview, because Barbara Walters always got the big interview. John Stossel did a little comedy. Well, we're going to skip the comedy, because you're in a good mood and happy. So we're gonna hit, I'm going to hit you with a few of these Diane Sawyer questions. Okay, so you've written this book. You are about ready to get this book published. You've passed this book along to people how did you handle the criticism?
1: Sure. I, for me, that's kind of where my coaching comes in because what I do is write down my fears. So I believe everybody has fears and I definitely have fears. I have a fear of looking stupid. That's a big one for me. And I have a fear of people not liking me. So when people give me criticism, any criticism, by the way, feedback is so hard for me to take. It just feels like I need a lot more work on that. And I still, I can still work on that. And it'll probably be a lifelong journey of being open and not having to take things personally. I mean, it's really hard to not take things personally and, and make it feel like it's an attack, you know? And I know that people, I mean, most people I would think don't have the intention of hurting you. Usually they say things because they want to help you, right? Yes. I remember I actually, um, I knew who it was. They left a review on Amazon and it was four stars, I could, I was like, I thought we were friends, you know, and I was all (laughs) upset and taking it personally that, you know, she only, she only gave me four stars and I'm like, what, you know, and it's okay. You know, it's okay. And I think, that's part of training your brain and rewiring your brain to be okay with what is. So one of the things when I, I mean, even the subtitle of my book is love your life, no matter what it's because we all need to practice surrender and acceptance. So when someone, my friend who I know gave me four stars, I had to just I mean, I do this little thing where I actually use body language to help me accept and surrender when something's hard for me. So okay. I kind of, I open my palms and I kind of open my chest and it's kind of a way to surrender and accept what is. And then I kind of talk to myself with, I use body language and self-talk to say, I love that she gave me four stars. It's okay, she gave me four stars. I'm grateful she read my book and took the time to do a review and gave me four stars. And there's a little bit more to it, but there's some great power in the body language and the affirmations, even if you don't believe it, even if it's hard to even say that, I've had clients that be like, I am not saying I love four stars because I don't, I wanted five. Right. So sometimes we're so stuck in wanting what we want that it's hard for us to surrender and accept. And I will say it is a skill. If you practice it, it gets easier and easier. (laughs) And so this is like one of my favorite tools. So when I got people that disagreed or were mad at me or thought they, I shouldn't have shared that story. That's what I did. I kind of used this surrender and acceptance and love. And, and that's, that's what I do when people send the hate, I send the love. And I really feel that, you know, all of us have that love in us. And I think the only reason why we hate on each other is because we're afraid. And so I want to fix that. And I want to teach people how to love and, take responsibility for that fear so that we can all communicate and function better in our society.
0: Okay. Now here's a hard-hitting question. So prepare yourself for this one. You got to get into a good mode for this one. Uh, you speak about responsibility. A life coach is a, is a tremendous responsibility. An author is even more responsibility because what you write People are going to attain knowledge from. They're going to attest to it. It's going to be something that they follow when me and you are gone. Even if you don't feel that way, or you may feel that it's significant—not, I mean, insignificant or very small—somebody's going to pick up your your writing in Maine and use it. Somebody in Washington, someone in California, somebody in Florida, and someone in the Midwest is going to use your material how does it feel to have that much responsibility? Cause when we all do stuff like con- we're, we're all content creators, like when I create content, I have to be very careful. Like when we do before I do these interviews and stuff like that, between me or somebody like we research you, we look at you, we go a step in above and beyond. We look at your social media presence. We look at what you wrote last week and make sure that it complies with what we're going to be doing next week. You know? So how do you handle all that responsibility? Cause being a content creator, you're shaping minds. Like, does that does that pressure kind of get to you sometimes or do, have you not even thought about it?
1: I think that's an easy one to answer just because I'm not that important and the God of my understanding is. And so I kind of give him the power and the glory and the responsibility, because I'm just, I'm one person. And I feel like I'm doing, my intention is only to help and love. That's it. I want to love the people. I want to help the people. I enjoy connecting with people. And the rest is, you know, I mean, everybody, I believe has to take responsibility for themselves and everybody, has a higher power available to them to meet them wherever they're at and and discern the truth or not. So I would invite anybody, if it doesn't feel like the truth, like, you know, that's what I believe, um, you know, a life of consultation is good for. But also we've been given agency to choose what we want for our lives. Just like I could go back to drinking or I could keep going on, the way I am right now and reaping the benefits that I'm getting right now. I can always choose to go back. And I I get the agency to keep going. And I just want to help people. So um, I feel inspired to have written those words. And I, I feel like I did the best I could, I put myself out there. There's a lot of personal stuff in that book and it was hard to put some of that stuff in there because it is opening yourself up and it is vulnerable. And at the same time, do you know how big my higher power is? I mean, he's like huge, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? (laughs) So to have him back me up, I'm good. Okay.
0: Now, here comes the Barbara Walters question. Now, you've written a book. um, You get out here, you're promoting it. You're doing everything in the world with your book, right? And every author has a chapter that made them stop writing that book. What was the chapter that made you stop? Take a little time, collect yourself, and get back into that book. And everyone has one. I know you got one, I see you thinking about it.
1: Yes. I guess what made me stop was I didn't wanna hurt my ex-husband and I was concerned that I would um, upset him or even worse upset my son or somehow damage that relationship. So that was probably the biggest doubt of writing. What I wrote is, is hurting, you know, those two people, my son and my ex-husband. And um, I really tried to, again, just be honest um, and, and not share their story, but share my story and take responsibility for for myself in in the marriage and how I was able to um, walk away and still have a relationship with him. And today I really feel like I have a great relationship with him. So if there was anything in that book that would hurt that or hurt the way that we're parenting our son, you know, That was scary. And I still don't know if he's read it or not. I know our son has told him I wrote a book, so I I haven't asked.
0: (laughs) Okay. Now uh, we come to a spot in the show where we got to do a little, little quick uh, social media spotlight on you, Cause we know, you know, people go to websites, but as people get older, you know, they one click here and there. So um, adults, generally, all of us are going to definitely just go over to your website to find you. Um, Is there any social media links or accounts that you would like to let the world know about so that they can reach you? Because everybody reaches people on a different scale. My mother, um, she uses Instagram and I, I'm like, you have Facebook. Facebook's kind of like Walmart. Instagram's like Target or Target, as we say in West Virginia. Not every, everybody's welcome in Target, but not everybody goes into Target, you know? So do you have any social medias that you would like to share?
1: Sure. Um, well, on Instagram, I'm at Melanie. And Facebook, I'm at Live to Bless with the number two, Live to Bless. And that's kind of the beginning. I mean, I love that name, Live to Bless, because that um, that's really why I started this whole thing, is I really just want to share the things that helped me and spread the knowledge and the information out there. And one thing that you were saying earlier about, you know, responsibility of information out there. I was thinking of, you know, sometimes people get worried about their information getting out there and someone stealing them or, you know, writing a book and having somebody claim um, the information. And I I had a little bit of that too. And throughout the years, I've realized that my intention is that if someone wanted to take information or or use what I've said as their name, that I would still be okay with that. Because it's if someone is gonna spread information, whether my name is attached to it or not, it's really, we're all on the same page. We're just trying to help each other and help other people feel more happy, joyous and free.
0: Okay. Now, you, you got the book out here. Um, people can go pick it up at Amazon. Where else can they get it?
1: Um, Amazon is the best place to get it because um, it's online. And it's just shipping unless you know me personally and I can send it to you. I mean, I'm um, but for right now, um, Amazon's been doing an awesome job at, you know, delivering it and producing it out there. and um, you know, and where I live right now, there's not even a bookstore to go buy a book. So, oh, wow. um, I'm hoping that, you know, some of my goals in the future would be able to, uh, get my book out to s- small little places. Um, I actually work at a hospital part-time and I'm going to have it at the gift shop at the community hospital of Monterey Peninsula.
0: Oh, Wow. Well, so let me ask you this then, Um, because obviously right now we can't do book tours, is there any type of a Facebook live or, you know, so many different avenues for a virtual book tour? Uh, Is any of this in the works or are you doing anything like uh, live wise so that people can interact with you to hear about the book or anything like that?
1: That is an awesome question. So I am still let's see, how do I say this? I'm still working, um, as a life of consultation, I'm still have a mentor that's helping me get more out there and, and marketing for the book and doing Facebook lives. He he really wants me to do that. And so I'm still, I'm right now trying to get on podcasts and get it, the word out there like that. And, I think that would be an awesome idea to do the Facebook Live book tour and really um, do some more support groups where I would do some coaching on Facebook and do um, group coaching to kind of help people see what I can do and promote the book that way as well.
0: Okay, okay, so you got this in the works, in the works, and that's a good thing. So, we come to a point in the show, the audience, we have heard all the amazing things you have to tell us, okay? Um, and at one point, um, I had a lady on the show, uh, and you've probably heard a few of them. I had one lady come on that she takes these uh, things, from, these uh, paintings from the Goodwill, puts rhinestones on them, um, and then so resells them I had another lady, uh, the Coke can or the sound of carbonation drinks makes her go crazy. I had another one, um, that said that they didn't have any type of uh, hidden talent or anything. They were really good at remembering what brand of clothes you have on. And if they didn't know what brand, say like the color of your shirt, they would remember the color in your lipstick. Cause they might know that brand or your earrings, something that they could bring into you, even if it's from Walmart, Target or wherever, which I'm not affiliated with any, um, You know, they all have a secret or a hidden talent. So, Melanie, you are on the hot seat. What is your hidden talent or secret that the world will know about once this is published?
1: Wow. Hidden talent. Or a secret. Or a secret. Okay. I think the hidden talent would be I can see why your relationship doesn't work for you. It's, I mean, I've, I think God gives me it. It really does feel like God tells me what's wrong with you, but basically anyone can come up to me and tell me about their marriage or their relationship. And I can tell them what's wrong with them and why it's like that. And so people are like astonished at, um, the perspective that just comes to me about either how to solve it or how to see your part in why it's not working.
0: Oh, whoa! So that's something, guys. Make sure you uh, pay close attention to that because you can go over to her website, which is
1: Happyjoyceandfree.org.
0: And she can help you get your relationship in order, <laughs> or Absolutely. at least she can. Yeah. So that's 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 a talented because that's a strong intuition.
1: It really is. Yeah, I so think, I've, and I think it's, I think it is like a skill, but I think there's some natural talent that comes in there. And, um, and definitely I am a, a wonderful relationship expert. I think my next book is going to be happy, joyous, and free in relationships because that's my thing. I love it. I love helping singles um, get married and I kind of, I feel like even though I've only been married a year and a half, um, I definitely got it right the second time and I do really feel like it's my happily ever after and I, I want other people to have wonderful relationships and um, I think that that's why God gave me that gift.
0: Okay, All right, so Melanie, I want to tell you, thank you for being on West Virginia and Commonplace. Um, A big thing that we do on here is people um, get to a certain level. You've gotten to where you're writing these books. you're, You're a life coach. You're very well versed in people's emotions and relationships, but people helped us along the way. So is there anybody or an entity or whoever that you would like to give a shout out to? And one thing I want to say, because I give a testament to everybody on this, and this is something I just started in this season. What I like about you, I am from Lynchburg, Virginia. I am Jerry Falwell all day long. I like that you profess your faith without pulling the faith. You do a very, I'm not saying it's choreographed or anything like that. It ain't no dance to it or anything. What I'm saying is, is that the way that you profess your faith, and like you said in this interview, you've been very clear and concise but you haven't forced or pushed the issue of religion. That is something that's so hard to model. It's so hard to, it's hard to have the gift for that. Cause some people can preach, 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 but some people can't be evangelists. And we both know the difference there. So I wanna commend you on having a straight narrow focus, but at the, with your religion, but at the same time, of we're both Christians, so I'm not gonna say religion, but I'm just, you know, how we generalize things for everybody. But the way that you kept everything very general, that is very commendable because so many people, you know, we were we were raised, we forced it down people's throat. All of us were raised that way, and the way you're doing it is about like you make a cake, you put one layer of icing on the the uh, bottom layer, put a layer of icing over the top, but inside there's all of your message. So I want to thank you for that.
1: Thank you. I really feel like there's a big difference between religion and spirituality. Yes. And, um, you know, and I, I think you can have both. I think people would benefit more if they practice the spirituality first. So that's kind of what happened to me. I was in a really, um, conservative religion. And of course, you know, my personality was, I, I i a big rebel just even now I like to, um, see what I can get away with or what rules can I break? You know, that kind of thing. So, <laughs> um, and you know, you said, who could I thank? I, I can thank my parents for uh, bringing me up to have values and morals. And even though it looked like I wasn't listening and that I completely dismissed those, um, they've always been there. That foundation of, you know, loving one another has been there and and they did a wonderful job and have been great examples of what unconditional love, because I, I did some things that, you know, I'm not proud of. I know they weren't proud of, and they still did the best they could to just still, you know, be my parents and love me and support me even if they didn't approve, you know, there's a difference between approving of a lifestyle and just being there for you when you call, you know. And my parents really are good people. And um, I had to completely walk away from religion to find spirituality, which helped me come back, you know, it was like a full circle. And um, now no one can tell me um, no one can tell me what God can do for me because I know I have my own relationship with God and it's not it's not from religion it's actually from personal experience and that's kind of what my book is about my book is about trying to help people that wouldn't necessarily like religion or ha- have been hurt from religion right because a lot of people are hurt and they felt shamed and bullied by religion. And so they walked away. I mean, so this book is trying to help people, um, get back to the basics of, you know, what love is and and how love can transform you and change you and fill you up. Okay. Yeah.
0: And I, and I think that the audience and the people that will become readers could definitely appreciate that. So once again, I want to thank you for coming on West Virginia and commonplace. Um, and the great thing here is that such a bright story, such a bright book, um, just, I'm flattered, just, you know, how everything went across the, how we've met and all this other stuff today, you know, and everything. Um, please do this for me. Um, you said that, you let, you'll let God be the higher influence, but always remember you're still a vessel. So you carry that message. You carry this strong, um, I'm gonna call it fortitude with you. It is very hard to be just in this world, to be, not to be proper and prim, but to like carry yourself after you've had a downfall. Cause you had a downfall, you, you rose out of the ashes like a phoenix. To do that type of stuff, everybody has a story of doing this, but not everybody has the will, and once again, I'll use fortitude again, to express that, so you should love yourself behind that, behind the message that you create for men, women, and whoever else. Um, Thank you. You know, you should really, really, like, love yourself. You know, you should give yourself a hug at nighttime, take the cover, wrap up twice in it instead of just once,
1: because
0: the... Because, you know, in your work and how you carry yourself, you're hugging the world. People don't get hugged anymore. And I'm not making a pun on COVID or anything. I'm just saying, like, sometimes, you know, you need something to be subtle. And you being subtle about everything that you're doing with your book, how you're advertising, how you're making your movements uh, throughout the world with this book, um, they're going to bless somebody and they're going to bless you tenfold. So, so, you know, from this day forward, um, keep that bright smile, keep it on the oh. beach um, and keep spreading your word. Because even though there, people always are going to tell you, oh, there's a million people writing books. No, there's a lot of people that are just putting out memoirs. There's a lot of people out there that will put out material because it's a self-care. They won't do anything else with it. I personally myself did that. I put out something for self-care. I never did anything else with it. I just did, did it because I wanted to release some stress.
1: Awesome. And,
0: and, and, you know, so the thing is is with you doing this and you're catapulting it with everything that you're doing um, as right now, I understand, like you said earlier, that you, you don't feel all that responsibility coming to you, but you're an influence. You were an influence yesterday. You were influenced before that, but your star um, every night shines a little bit brighter. Um, the sun comes up a little bit different for you each day, because of what you're doing in the world. So keep that up, Melanie. Okay.
1: Thank you. And I just wanted to say, I love that this WV Uncommonplace has definitely, as I've listened to your podcast, I realize that you have the same heart. I do. We have the same mission that we're just, you know, we're spreading the love and we're, I love the people that you've interviewed and the way you've expressed, um, encouragement to them as I've felt today as well. And you are making a difference too. And that's just wonderful. And and, um, you get to pat yourself on the back too. (laughs) Well,
0: well, thank you very much. So once again, in the near future, I'd love to have you, I'd love to have you come back on um, because we have so many different things going on. And, you know, with the summer coming up, we're opening the world back up one more time. I mean, we'll open it up again if we have to, but we closed it and this is, we're opening it back up. So there's going to be a lot more insight. There's going to be different things that go on. There's going to be some triumphs and some tribulation that come up in the next 60 days. So if you're free, I know the audience, they're going to, I'm going to use one of my my Virginia terms because I live in West Virginia, but I'm from Virginia. The audience is going to dig you. So I definitely would love to have you come back on and uh, I will come with some compelling topics. Um, I would love it. Because I, cause I know that you you have a, a mind and um, one other thing that I always uh, like to say to authors, you wrote a story, right? It came out the way you wanted it to. You're a life coach, so that takes time to you work another job. But I see you got a microphone right there in front of you. How come you don't have a podcast?
1: I want to get a podcast and, you know, you've totally inspired me to get one. I just, it's on the list. So I, I always feel like, you know, my goals right now are, I want to, I got this because I am putting my book on Audible. Okay. And so that's, that's the next step with my book is to put on Audible and, get a podcast. And my third goal right now is to hike 18 miles with my 80 year old father for his birthday. That's what he wants me to do is hike with him. So oh, Lord. I am trying, to, <laughs> my goal is to get in shape that I could do that and, um, carry him home if he doesn't make it. So
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely wish you the best on that. And once again, thank you for being on.
1: Thank you.